Hello, everybody. You're listening to Amplify the Arts, a place for artists and art lovers of all kinds to gather, hear stories, and be inspired to amplify the arts in their own lives. I'm Sarah Dudnitz, a pageant girl, communication specialist, and all-around artsy-fartsy kid, and I am so happy that you're here. Before we dive into it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of your screen right now and share it on your Instagram story, tagging us at Amplify the Arts so that we can thank you and keep in touch with you there. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome to Amplify the Arts. I'm here with my good friend, Madison, who um, I was just laughing thinking about our friendship because... um, we keep in touch so much over social media and I've seen you like what once in the last like seven or eight years years. in person, (laughs) which is just (laughs) hilarious. And, um, you like most of my other podcast guests so far. Um, I know you from the pageant world. We competed together in like 2014 at Miss Michigan, 13, 13 or 14, which is eons ago. Um, So that's just crazy. But I think it's so cool and it speaks so much to, um, you know, it's such a pageant cliche, but the the sisterhood that we all have. Um, and it's so cool that, you know, years and years down the line after we competed together, I threw out this idea of, I think I'm going to start this project. I didn't even tell you guys what it was. I was like, I'm going to do this thing for the arts. And so many pageant girls were like, I'm in, I'll do whatever you need me to do. So, um, so thankful for that. And just so thankful for you, but, um, that's a little background on how I know you, but do you want to go ahead and sort of introduce yourself and tell us about yourself? Sure. Well, as uh, Sarah said, my name is Madison Sharp. I live in Northern Michigan and I have for most of my life. Um, I did pageants, as she said, and I had sang for my talent. Um, I also dance and I taught dance and I choreographed tap dances to Newsies. Yes. Love it. (laughs) So I did a lot more than just culinary growing up. Um, And then I graduated from Northwestern Michigan College in May, and there they have the Great Lakes Culinary Institute. And while I was there, I was accepted into the Disney Culinary Program, which I'll talk more about later. But over the summer, I worked at Mission Point Resort at Chianti doing fine dining. Oh, that's so fun. I'm so excited to talk more about the Disney thing, because I think that's cool. But um, so essentially, like I said, early on when I was like, I think I want to start a podcast, but I of course need help. Um, I threw out a question to some people who had reached out to me and I just said like, who is your favorite artist? And I intentionally left that very general. And some people mentioned authors or writers, some people mentioned painters or dancers. Um, But there were actually two answers, yours being one of them that really intrigued me. One was my own mother who uh, she said there was a gardener She was like really into gardening. Um, And I was like, wow, I never really thought about that as being an art form, but it has all the elements of art, like being able to create something and make something beautiful. Um, And then yours, you said Thomas Keller, who um, you said transformed the culinary world. And I was like, wow, I also never thought about like the culinary arts as being, I mean, it's literally in the name culinary arts. So (laughs) probably a given that it's, there's some artsy fartsiness there, but um, I just think that was such a unique answer, and I know that it's such a big part of your life. So I'm very excited to hear a little bit more about that. Um, Do you maybe want to start with talking about sort of culinary school and your experience and how this all came to be? Yeah, so 
I grew up in a very food-oriented household. My grandmother is very Ukrainian. So when she would come to visit, she she doesn't even cook from a recipe. She just like takes out like a coffee mug that's like approximately eight ounces and she'll like scoop flour and it like creates the perfect bread that I've ever seen in my life. And like there's nothing technically correct about it, but like growing up around that, you know, my grandma just she would make pierogies when she came and roulotted and all these things. And so I grew up with that and cooking with my dad and stuff. And then in 2013, my family went to Disney and it was the first time I had been there that I could like actually remember the trip. And I just remember experiencing all these different levels of food from like fine dining to different kinds of cuisines from around the world. And I remember thinking, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I remember like just talking to chefs there and having this like passion ignited in me that I could feel. And from then on out, it was like, okay, how do I become a chef at Disney? And it was tunnel vision from then on. And mind you, I was like 12 at the time. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) So I, even when I looked at colleges, when I met with recruiters from the Culinary Institute of America in New York City, and when I went, met with um, people from GLCI and Travers, um, that was the goal. I asked them, I was like, can you get me to Disney? Do you have people who have gone to Disney? Do you have people who have done the culinary program at Disney? And I remember sitting down at NMC in Traverse City and talking with Shannon, who I'm still really good friends with to this day, and she knew me at 15. (laughs) And she told me that there was a woman who had made it into the Disney culinary program. And I remember walking around the classroom and having people call me by my nickname and they hadn't even met me before. And like, it just felt like home there. So, and that's kind of the tradition that that school kept on with from the moment I stepped on campus. It just, it felt like home and it still feels like home when I go, you know, I live, I've lived there more recently (laughs) than I have at home. So, I mean, really my college campus feels like home and Um, the staff was like family there too. And they kind of nurtured and corrected and taught passion and techniques instead of a more disciplined way of teaching. They very much so taught teaching you how to cook with passion as opposed to cooking with technique. And that was really great. Um, They helped me to see that food was an art as opposed to just food. And like, I think that when we think of food, especially in Northern Michigan, where we don't have as much fine dining, it's harder to see food as a transcendent experience, as opposed to just feeding ourselves because we need to eat something. Like, yes, we'll go get a great burger if we need a quick meal. But when you sit down for fine dining and you pay $400 for a dinner, you're seeing a chef's vision. And so I learned to see a plate as like a blank canvas, and then food as the colors and flavors and textures to be painted on that plate. I mean, my last paper I ever wrote for culinary school in my advanced baking class was 32 pages long. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. And it was just five dessert descriptions, five plated dessert descriptions. And it went into flavor and texture and why things are visually appealing on that plate and why I paired this flavor with this flavor and how that complements the whole dish entirely. And I had to draw the plates and color them in with crayons and colored pencils. And, And so as far as art form goes, there's a lot of planning and procedure that goes into the techniques and fundamentals that we learn behind the scenes as well. 
Wow. <laughs> nice. I'm like blown away because I think you're right. And even, I don't know, I think about like, I I really don't think about food when I'm eating. Like I'm usually eating because I'm like, I have to eat now to get on my way to the next thing. Or I'm literally eating a McDonald's breakfast sandwich in my car on the way to work and there's no time. And I'm like on the phone with, you know, it's just, yeah. I don't know if I think that's like a larger cultural issue is that we're just, we're always going so fast and we're so busy. I think that that's true because I mean, that's the whole thing with Americans in general is that's why they say Americanized everything. I was in Italy in May of 2019 and everything just moves in slow motion there. And that's not an exaggeration. Like they literally close all of their shops from 11 AM to 2 PM and everyone goes home to sit down and have lunch and take a breather. And then everything opens back up at two. And it's just normalized there that that's part of your workday is you go home and you sit down to lunch and a glass of wine. And that's just, that's just life there. Dinners were six, seven hours along at five. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. (laughs) And that was just normalized. That's just their culture there. So I think that that's an American thing where we just don't take the time to sit down and think about our food. Yeah. That is, that is really interesting to me. And I've always, I've sort of realized that, but hearing you talk about it now, it's, it's crazy just the different culture and how fast we go. And I mean, I don't even know the last time I sat down and ate dinner at my own dinner table, which is kind of concerning now that I think about it and I should probably do that. But, or even I'm just like sitting on the couch watching Netflix or something, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. so that's, that's interesting. Um, one thing, um, a little follow-up question I thought of is you said you were fairly young, like 12 or 13, when you first yeah. sort of realized this passion and it was like something that resonated with you really strongly. And I think that's just so interesting because that's probably not a passion that a lot of 12 or 13-year-olds have. Um, did you ever feel kind of, not lonely necessarily, but just sort of like isolated or even with the other arts that you were in, that there was like a struggle to connect with other people over them? Yes. And I still feel that way at times. I mean, now I've got my community of culinary friends and people I graduated with and people I've, I don't know if you want to call it mentored, but people who came in after me that I worked with from then on. And um, I mean, you tell people you went to culinary school and they assume that you went to culinary school because you couldn't get into a four-year college. Mm. And that's like, I didn't make that choice myself to go and pursue food as a career. And I think that that's where the biggest um, controversy comes with that. And almost like we shame people who choose to go into the food industry as though they they are not smart enough to do something else. (laughs) And culinary school, honestly, was not what I expected going into it. Um, I sat down day one and my baking teacher, Mike, bless his heart, love him to death. He was like, if you can't pass this test of conversions, you will not be allowed into my bake room. (laughs) And as a little like 18 year old kid sitting there and having this man tell me that I would not be allowed to bake cookies if I couldn't (laughs) If I couldn't do equivalents with the basic math, (laughs) (laughs) but it also involved so much reading. Like I sat down day one of my professional cookery class and that's just like fundamentals, you know, but 
we had to learn about chefs who came before us and the foundations of French cooking and why those are still in cooking today. And we had, it was basically history class. And there's so much science and chemistry. And I mean, just the chemistry to be able to produce a pint of ice cream is something way beyond anything that anyone could possibly think of. Yeah. But if the sugar or fat is off by a percentage of a tick, then your ice cream is off balance. So you have to be able to know that in formulas. And it's just so much more than people think it is. Absolutely. I was actually going to ask another question that I had. I think you kind of already hit on it. Um, was, are there any like stereotypes about what you do that you think are inaccurate? Are there any more that you can think of? Well, I also think that there's a stereotype that people who prefer baking are fruity or like the bottom of the food chain when it comes to the culinary world. And I don't think that's true at all because I do both. (laughs) I am very pastry oriented, but I also at um, Mission Point Resort, I headed the Garmage production in the fine dining restaurant. So it was cold foods and um, a lot of molecular gastronomy, which is the very much so science driven part of cooking today. And so I mean, people who go into pastries and cakes and stuff, I feel like they're very happy, bubbly people. And then there's the people who do like dinner service and they're so grouchy and negative. And (laughs) I mean, it's just totally two different worlds and they kind of clash and headbutt all the time. So I think that there's that stereotype too, but I will say that the pastry chefs who I have met who have worked in Michelin star restaurants and stuff, they are some of the most hardcore perfectionist people I've ever met in my life, way more than any Michelin star chef in the savory world I've ever met. So <laughs> that's so interesting to me. What was the, um, your Disney experience like? Oh goodness. So that kind of falls into like me talking about 2020 as a whole. So when I went to culinary school, my views on what I wanted to do with my degree had changed a lot. Disney was still on the back burner, if you will. <laughs> And so, um, it's a really casual back burner to have, you, just, yeah. oh, you know, Disney, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> like everything I had ever done in my life involves Disney in some sort of way or another. Mm-hmm. I mean, any place I look in my life, Disney's there and little tidbits here and there. But, um, I wanted to do pastry oriented stuff. And I had always looked into food journalism and food photography, kind of things that branched out of the traditional kitchen setting that you would think of with a culinary degree. And the time came for me to like enter my last semester of school and I had no idea what I was doing. And that was the scariest thing in my life (laughs) because I'm a very planned, organized individual who has to have the next five years of her life figured out. And that's not how life works. Oh my God. You are taking the words right out of my brain. Like that is how I work as well. Oh my gosh. Like, so to be in that point in my life in college and have no idea what I was doing when I graduated, that scared the death out of me. And so I remember a phone call with my mom at the beginning of January and she said, well, Disney applications are opening up for their culinary program. Why don't you just shoot one out and see what happens? And they only take like a couple hundred people for this program. Like this is not, if you need a job, this is not what you apply for. (laughs) And so I applied with thousands of other applicants and 
it's initially a web application and if you don't tick off every box in this web application they will not put you through to the next round in their system so i found out maybe a week after my web application that i would be doing the first round of phone interviews which was with kylon who i'm still kind of in contact with and she did an interview that was more sanitation oriented and cooking temperatures and basically making sure that you knew fundamental skills. Mm -hmm. And she told me at the end of that interview that I would be moving on to the final interview with their head of Disney culinary recruiting. And that one was very much so food based and technique based and creativity based. Like I had to come up with a dish for a child with these ingredients. <laughs> you oh, know? so that's kind of fun. Yeah. So, um, and I will tell you, I got off of the phone and I cried in the bathroom for two hours because I thought I bombed <gasps> it. Oh, you know, so, I've I've been there. Even oh, yeah. we're our own worst critics and interviews. Oh, 100%. Same thing with pageant interviews. I walk oh. out every time and I'm like, that was the worst interview of my life. And then I'll like end up winning or something. Winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, and my poor friend, one of my coworkers had come to sit with me afterwards because she knew that I was going to be a mess. And she was like, we'll go sit in a hot tub afterwards and like go get food. I'm like, sounds great. But I walked out of my room and I went to the bathroom, shut the door, called my mom and cried on the phone for two hours. <laughs> and then five days later, found out I was accepted. <laughs> so there you have that. There's that. <laughs> of course, um... That was in February, and I was set to go in June, but of mm. course, COVID happened, and I received a call June, I think it was June 7th, that my program was essentially canceled and postponed to a later to-be-determined date, and they still haven't talked about dates to bring programs back, so. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I have my fingers crossed that you you either get that or something else that is fantastic and perfect and Disney and amazing. Um, quick question. What was your favorite class that you took? Oh my goodness. Um, so I really loved any baking class that I had with chef Mike. He, <laughs> he was like one of my best friends at the school and not because he was like, he wasn't easy. He was by far the hardest teacher I've ever had in my entire life. Like, mm-hmm. I remember my first time ever rolling a baguette by myself, and he came over to my table and was looking over my shoulder, and he goes, that looks absolutely terrible. Oh, my and God. I like, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I know, Mike, I know. <laughs> but I put the work in, and so he's one of those people who, as long as he realizes that you're there – for a purpose and you care about what you're doing, you will do so well in his classes because he gains respect for you at that point. Mm-hmm. And so I loved any of the baking classes I had with him. The chocolate and cake decorating class I took with him was absolutely a ball of fun. Like we had an absolute blast and he was so relaxed in that class too. He just, he just wanted to teach us and make us better. And that was so great. But, um, We also, at the very end of our schooling, there's a restaurant on campus called Lobdell's, a teaching restaurant, and you take time rotating through every position of a restaurant, from the dishwasher to the host to the busser to being a sous chef to, you know, anything you could possibly think of. 
And the best moment of culinary school for me was the day that I had my first rotation on the saute station. And I had been terrified of this day for at least two years. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Like I had thought of it. Like they had told me about it from day one. And from that day on, I was scared of it. (laughs) Probably a rational fear, you know. (laughs) That's two years, man. But I sat down and Chef Joel and Miss Patty, who were also our leaders for our trip to Italy we had taken the previous year, um, described me as, and I quote, terrified (laughs) that day. I thought I was going to puke all morning. It was horrifying. (laughs) What was it about it that scared you? Um, I don't do well in high stress situations and that's exactly what that is and I had never done it before and I like routine and this was very much so not routine anymore Mm. I do cold foods and pastry this was hot food and fast (laughs) (laughs) so so for whatever reason it just terrified the the crap out of me you know and uh, I just remember Chef Joel coming up to me afterwards and being like man for someone who was terrified, <laughs> you did real well. Oh, that's and, a good feeling. And they, those two teachers during the course of that class was what had given me the confidence to apply to Disney in the first place. And I don't think without them, I would have applied to Disney in the first place. And I probably wouldn't have had the courage to work with a three-star Michelin chef at Mission Point. And I probably wouldn't have the courage to go move across the country for a job right now. So like, it's like, it's those kinds of things that make certain classes stand out to me in certain moments. It was the teachers that did it. I love that. There's nothing better than those teachers that like they're tough on you and they're mm-hmm. going to, they're going to be honest and they're going to give you some tough love. But I think you're right. Once they see that you're there to learn and you're putting in the work, then there's that sort of mutual respect and it's like the best kind of teacher student relationship you can have. Agreed. Um, Let's see. I know you kind of, well, actually want to make sure I ask you this. Um, Like I mentioned, you said that Thomas Keller, his name is Thomas Keller, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, You said that he was your favorite artist. Um, Why is that? Tell me a little about him because I know absolutely nothing. Okay. So (laughs) Thomas Keller is basically created the French Laundry in California. And it is debatably one of the most, if not the best restaurant in the world. And the fact that we have it housed in America should speak volumes to that. Um, Thomas Keller is a three-star Michelin chef. And in fact, he's the only American chef to be named a three-star Michelin chef twice in his lifetime. Oh, wow. So, um, I mean, the Michelin Guide, for people who don't know, I guess, is the standard, standard of excellence that is ranked among the world's best of the best hospitality organizations, specifically restaurants. So if someone is awarded a three-star Michelin chef, they are reaching the height of hospitality excellence in the world. Oh, wow. And I mean, I don't know about you, but if I think of fine dining or, you know, the best food, I think France and Italy. Mm -hmm. And that's been very true as far as cuisine has gone for years. And the French Laundry is amazing in that sense because it keeps with traditional techniques and combinations but puts in 
a spin on them. I mean, I think of, there's a dish that they do called peas and carrots, but it's like pea shoots and a carrot ginger cream sauce with lobster. So it's like the same. They also do a spin on like bacon and eggs and they do a spin on like peaches and cream and a banana split. So they keep with those traditional flavors and techniques, but they build layers of flavor profiles. And I mean, they're still incorporating contemporary molecular gastronomy that's popular right now. And I mean, it takes such an incredibly skilled hand just to pull that off. So he really changed the way that America was perceived in the culinary world as a whole. Um, I mean, he really set the bar of excellence in the United States as far as food goes and the restaurant world. I mean, if I'm a quarter of the chef that Thomas Keller was, I mean, I would be thrilled with myself. Like I would feel so accomplished. (laughs) Yeah. This is so cool to like, listen to you talk about this because there are certain times where I feel like you're like speaking a different language, but I think it's so cool. (laughs) And I'm just like, I'm like, I never thought about this. And I guarantee that after this podcast, I'm going to appreciate my food and everybody I take so much more. (laughs) People say that to me all the time. Like, cause I have friends over from college occasionally and my parents will sit there and listen to us talk and she's like I have no idea what you just said <laughs> she's like, it really she's is like, a different language <laughs> oh, but it's, it. it's cool I and that's part of why I love this podcast is like getting to listen to people talk about what they're passionate about because yeah. I know there are certain things whether it's like Broadway which is a shared love for both of us or yeah. um I don't know a lot of different things where I sort of feel like a lot of times throughout the day to day, I'm like, I really want to talk about that, but I like feel weird talking about it now, or I feel like I can't talk about it here. So I love that this is a place where I'm just like, tell me about all the things that you're passionate about, because I want to hear them. So thank you for sharing all that with me. Um, in So 2020 has been, was a rough year. Um, thank God we're like out of it now. And I feel like we're having a pretty good start to 2021. I don't know. I think it's going pretty well. Um, (laughs) Did you find yourself sort of like leaning on the arts to help get you through, whether that's culinary or even just the shows that you watch or the music you listen to? Um, Do you find that it like helped you through anything in 2020? Oh, 100%. I mean, even something as simple as playing music in the shower is, you know, singing in the shower is scientifically one of the greatest mood boosters in the world. So absolutely. I mean, overall, 2020 taught me a lot about myself in general. I mean, I found a resilience and strength that I didn't realize I had possessed. I mean, I, for four, two to four years, I had been working on this culinary degree and it felt like, I mean, we got to April and it felt like everything that I had worked for was ripped away from me. I mean, I had... I wasn't able to have my last day at school. I wasn't able to walk at graduation, which I, I was homeschooled. I didn't get graduation. Oh no. (laughs) So I had gone into culinary school and I was like, I'm going to graduate with honors. I'm going to have so many cords that I get back problems. Like that was my (laughs) motivation. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then I didn't get to have that. And I mean, Disney was taken away from me and I had a Spain trip I was supposed to go on in May. I was supposed to go to Disneyland in March. And all these things that 
I had been preparing for like what February 21st, the day I found out I was going to Disney, I had this whole year that was supposed to be absolutely amazing. And by April 13th, everything had come crashing down and I was in probably the worst mental place I had ever been in my life. So building on that though, um, the day I got the call for Disney, um, I will not lie, for three hours I sat in my bed and ate ice cream and watched Grey's Anatomy and basically wallowed in self-pity. Hey, that's, <laughs> if it was only three hours, that's actually really good because mine would have well, been a lot longer. <laughs> well, I was texting with one of my friends, Ashley, who graduated with me, and she was like trying to calm me down, you know. <laughs> Talk you off and, the ledge. And, yeah. 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 <laughs> and so she texted me and was like, you should come and work at Mission Point with me this summer. I had no backup plan. Disney was plan A, B, C through Z. There was nothing else. So she was like, I can give your, I can give your information to the executive chef who was newly hired at the time and was looking to build a team. And five hours later, I had a phone interview with a three-star Michelin chef and was hired on the spot. <laughs> what? I think it's those pageant interview skills. I think it's that's gotta be. It's gotta be. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, four days later, I left for Mackinac Island and I moved in to Mission Point and spent five months there. I, during that time, I o- helped open two restaurants that summer, um, including Chianti, which was transformed into a five-course pre-fee menu, which is like cho- you get choices for each entree, but a set price overall. Um, and it focused, ironically enough, it focused on Northern Italian cuisine, which was the exact place that I had done a culinary tour not a year prior. Wow. So things still meshed. And there, um, God does everything with a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I... I mean, I got to be featured on a menu for the first time ever, and that had that's very, very rare for so early in a career. That's usually like the peak of someone's career as an executive chef. They get their name on a menu, you know? But not only was this right out of college, but this was also along with the name of one of my best friends who I had graduated with three other people on the resort that were handpicked to work in this restaurant and a three-star Michelin chef. So, I mean, things happen for a reason. And I would never, had Disney happened, I would never have had that opportunity. And I would never know the executive chef there. And I, I mean, I came out of it stronger, closer to God. I built my mental health back up. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, yes, the day like that I was supposed to go to Disney, that still hurt. And I, if I said I didn't cry in my room, I'd be lying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the day I was supposed to leave Disney rolled around, which was only a month ago. And if I said I didn't feel sad that day, I'd be lying. But I mean, if anything, I realize that culinary and chefs in general are so resilient, especially during all these shutdowns. The fact that we've been able to keep the industry rolling as best as we can through this whole thing is just amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that puts a whole new spin on it for me. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I know my heart just breaks for everything and everyone that isn't able to work and isn't able to do what they love. Um, What is your dream job? When I heard you were going to ask me this question, this was the hardest one. (laughs) (laughs) 
like I can talk about culinary school all day and I can talk about Disney all day. (laughs) Well, and it's funny too, because like, you know, like you said, when you were younger, you sort of like tunnel vision in on these dreams, right? And you're like, this is exactly what I'm going to do. And I feel like, at least for me, as I got older, I like learned not to do that as much because I was like, things never go the way, especially in the last year. So like if someone were to ask me this, I don't think I have an answer either. So I totally get it. Yeah. So, and I think that this summer at Mission Point changed that because I was able to work with a Michelin star chef and see how attainable that was for me. So um, for one I would love to work as a restaurant inspector for the Michelin guide. And these are the people who go in anonymously and basically decide whether or not a restaurant is still hitting the standards for Michelin stars or whether they should have them taken away or whether they receive them for the first time or not. And I would love that job. (laughs) That low key sounds kind of fun. Right. It's sort of like that food critic cliche of like you're mm -hmm. undercover and you get to like, and Ratatouille growing up was, like, my favorite movie. <gasps> Did you watch Ratatouille the musical? Dude, yes. Like, <gasps> okay, Ratatouille and Beauty and the Beast to this day are, like, yes. like, I still will cry when I watch them to this day. And, like, <laughs> I, have, I have Ratatouille posters in my room and, like, You're oh kidding. No. So Anton Ego is, like, like, I look at him and I'm, like, I want your life. <laughs> That is so funny. I should have figured you had seen Ratatouille the musical. Right. I thought it was really impressive, honestly. I was too. For something that they put together on TikTok. Oh my god. Amazing. (laughs) Welcome to the future. The future is now. For real. Uh, Well, then another one was over the summer, um, I met Somaliers, like real Somaliers, high high level trained Somaliers, who mm -hmm. are basically wine experts, wine service experts. And so I started doing some research on sommelier training. And as someone who's a perfectionist and is so self-competitive, I was like, that's for me. Yeah. <laughs> to be considered the best wine expert in the world, I'm like, that, that sounds like me. So I would also love to be a sommelier in a Michelin-starred restaurant. And going off of that, I would also love to be a pastry chef either in a Ritz-Carlton hotel or at a Michelin star restaurant. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so cool. I can just like, it's fun to watch you right now, like light up when you talk about this stuff. And I can <laughs> tell that like, you obviously, you don't have to have the plan figured out right now, but I can tell that like your passion is going to get you like wherever, you know, like oh. you are the kind of driven person who's like, whatever I do, I'm going to like be the best that I can at it. Not to be other people or to be competitive with other people, but because I want to be the best that I can be. So yeah. applause to you. I think Thank you're you. incredible. And and doing stuff like this helps me like reignite that because oh, I know God. that I go through like these like dry, like droughts basically. Mm-hmm. And I went through them in culinary school and I went through them this summer and I went through them before culinary school. And when I get featured in a magazine or when I got my name on a menu or when I was texting with a Michelin star chef the other night, like those are the moments that like, I'm like, okay, like I actually know what I'm doing. Like I'm not totally crazy. Yeah. You got (laughs) to hold on to those little moments. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I love that. Um, 
So let's see. I feel like I thought of one other random thing I wanted to ask. Oh, you probably either love this question or you hate this question, but I would be remiss if I did not ask. Do you have a favorite food? Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) So I get asked this question all the time and I never know what to say because I like cuisines and there are certain, but I will eat anything. Like Mm -hmm. I, I ate horse in Parma, Italy and you did. Was it good? I liked it. It was basically like beef tartare. Like, yeah. so, and like, I've had alligator, like I've had all of this like weird stuff. So I'll eat literally anything, but I really love, um, I really love Asian cuisines. Mm-hmm. And so if I had to choose one, I'd probably say I love pho, which is like Vietnamese noodle broth mm-hmm. Love those. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Wow. I, I don't even know if I've ever had that. but now I feel like I should, I should trust your judgment. (laughs) Um, okay. So I have three little closer end questions for you. Uh, first being, what is a moment that you can think of in your life where you were just truly happy? Like you felt like you belonged, you felt like everything sort of clicked. Mm -hmm. Um, and you just sort of felt that like blissful, warm, fuzzy joy. Sure. Um, Though you started talking about that. And the first thing that popped into my mind was when I was a senior in high school and I, I was asked the summer previous to my senior year to be a tap instructor at my dance studio. And I remember this one day while I was teaching tap to these 12 and 13 year olds who also had never heard of Newsies and had never done musical theater before. And I played them a video of the Broadway tap dance. Yes. Was it King of New York? It was was King of New York. That's the best. (laughs) Um, Because when I saw Newsies live, I went home and I called my tap teacher and I was like, if you don't do newsies before I graduate I'm gonna be so upset and she never did so I looked at her and I said if you're not gonna do newsies then I'm gonna do newsies I'm gonna do it watch me so then I choreographed to King of New York and so I remember they just they weren't getting it none of them had ever seen newsies before they didn't understand musical theater totally different approach to dancing than if you were just doing a tap dance Mm -hmm. so I played the video and I was like Watch it. Really watch it. Watch their expressions. Watch their characterizations. And they watched it and their eyes just like bulged out of their heads because they had never seen a theatrical tap dance before. And then it ended and I was like, what are you doing different from them? And so I had homework for them for the next week. It was to create their own newsy character for themselves and to come up with a whole backstory to it you know find out why you were doing what you were doing why that strike was important to you why you felt like you were the king of new york and the next week they came in and everything was different it was exactly how it should have been it was like every gear in their head clicked my gosh i literally feel like i'm about to cry like that is just such i can like see that in an episode that um I will be posting tomorrow was with my mom who is a drama instructor for uh, middle school kids. And that sounds like a lot of her stories as well. And I'm like, that is just why we do what we do and the power of storytelling and the power of a good Broadway show, the power of newsies. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that story. Um, Second question. Um, So let's pretend 
for a beautiful, blissful moment that we wake up tomorrow morning and COVID is just magically gone. Like it is disappeared. We don't have to wear masks and everything is open again. Life is back to normal. What is the first thing or the first place that you go to? Oh man. Right. There's so many. (laughs) That's a good question though. Um, Honestly, the one thing that I am really looking forward to is being able to go to the restaurant at my school with a group of my friends that I had graduated with. We had reservations for the week before Thanksgiving there. And of course, it was like the day before, I think, that restaurants shut down again. So we weren't ever able to go. And fun story, two of my friends were supposed to like announce that they were both pregnant at this lunch and like all oh, this other didn't stuff. Get their lunch? So, no. Oh. So I, that's probably the first thing that I want to do is be able to go have lunch with my friends that I didn't get to see on our last day of school like we should have. Oh, I, isn't it funny how much we miss like I want to eat with people or like, I, like, I really want to go to like a fully packed church and sing with people. Oh girl. I'm like, I, I just miss the simple things. Yeah. I will say I went to Arizona in December because my friend Kendra, who I went to go see back in May. And then at the end of November, she was here for Thanksgiving. So we kind of made each other part of our pods. And so I got to go out to, and stay with her family for a week and their churches were open. Really? And so we were able to go to church and worship together. And that was like one of the coolest things to be able to do. And it's like things like that, that we take for granted, you know, being able to worship yeah. in a church or like being able to go see my grandma or like being able to like go to a restaurant, like all of these things, go see a movie that we just don't, take for granted, Mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. Oh, I swear in this moment, I will never take them for granted again after (laughs) all of this. Um, last to end, um, what are three things that you're grateful for today? Okay. So today I am grateful for my family because I have spent a lot of extra time with them lately. And my little sister Moxie in particular, her and I have gotten really close over the last few months. Um, The second thing I'm thankful for are my friends who got me through the hard times at Mission Point because at Mission Point we were doing like 100 hour weeks pretty consistently and if it wasn't for the people that I had met there, I don't think I would have made it. (laughs) Oh, that's so many hours. That was so hard. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And then... Three, I'm thankful for the fact that I have been healthy to be able to still travel and do some things during all of this. Um, I stayed healthy while I was on the island. I stayed healthy enough to be able to go out to Arizona a couple of times this year. And so I'm thankful for the fact that that has stayed consistent and that my mental health has stayed healthy through all of this. Because, I mean, for me to not be able to go see people has been really difficult. And I know that that's hard on everybody's mental health. So I've been very thankful to have kept my health through all yeah. of that. It's so funny because I've asked these questions to, you're the third person that I've asked these to now. And every single person has said my health, which I think pre COVID, we would never have said that. Like yeah. we wouldn't, we would have totally taken that for granted. So mm-hmm. I guess a very, very small silver lining on a very big cloud is that <laughs> we are more appreciative of our health. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Madison, thank you so much for meeting with me. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is great. 